Hey friends, welcome back to the No Wrong Turns podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Audrey the Hickman Hunter. The No Wrong Turns podcast talks to people about their story and their passions. It aims to see how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. How's your January going? For me, it feels like I just blinked and now we're almost in February. I can't believe it. I'm so excited to report that so far I've been able to keep up with my New Year's goals. How has your 2020 started off? What goals, rhythms, or resolutions are you working on? As of today's recording, January 27th, I have been able to keep up with my dry January goal and complete my desk workout app to try to get some stretches in on the daily in my effort not to become a potato as I sit at my desk and work. And I have really been enjoying listening to the Commuter Bible podcast. I highly recommend it if you guys are interested in reading or listening to the Bible. The only thing that I have not really moved the needle on thus far has been my last goal of speaking and teaching the Bible this year. So if you're listening and you've got a youth group, a women's group, sermon you need someone to help prep or teach, I would love to stretch my Bible teaching preaching muscles. So hit me up. Alright, today we have our sixth episode and we welcome Melissa. Melissa and I met when we were working through our thesis classes in grad school at Dear Old Mother Moody Theological Seminary. And today on this episode, I might sound a little tired in the recording, and this is because Melissa was Skyping me all the way from Albania. So for her, it was about 7 a.m., and for me, it was about 1 a.m., so I got a little uh, tired, and I think you might be able to pick up on it in my voice, but Melissa is going to share with us about what led her all the way to Albania in this episode, and how her passion for communication and journalism was changed and morphed into a passion for teaching. English as a second language. You are going to want to lean in and not miss hearing about how Melissa's passion was transformed to being an English teacher in Albania. No matter if this is your story and you can relate to her or not, I believe that there is something for you in this episode. All right, here's my conversation with Melissa. Well, welcome to the No Wrong Turns podcast, Melissa. Thank you so much for being on and waking up early to do this uh, podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. It's a joy to be able to talk and share. Awesome. So first of all, we would just kind of like to get to know you, Melissa, and maybe a little bit about who you are and where you're from and where you are right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I am originally from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, but decided to go to college in Chicago. So I actually, I went to Moody uh, for undergrad and then also for grad school and originally came to college expecting to do communications or journalism. That was my degree, took a semester of classes and communications and realized that it wasn't the right fit, that I really loved teaching instead. And so that has been what I've been doing since then, teaching. So did you change your major in undergrad then, correct? Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. I changed in undergrad. I had actually right at the beginning of my sophomore year, I changed. It was right at the beginning of my credits for 
communication and I had the previous summer, well, I'll talk more about it a little later, but the previous summer had had an opportunity to teach English as a second language and really enjoyed that experience and kind of realized this is something I want to do more than just for a summer. So after you graduated college, what was your first job? Right. Uh, Yeah. So I actually started doing a couple jobs after I graduated college. I applied for a bunch of different opportunities and ended up working part-time as a children's ministry assistant and then also part-time as a nanny. And then pretty much right away, six months into that, I started grad school and then switched also from being a nanny to being a high school ESL teacher. So had kind of three things going at the same time. Sounds like a a little bit to juggle. Yeah, it was. It definitely was. But yeah. So why did you make that choice to go go into grad school? Yeah, I think I wanted, I really, I really enjoyed my, my studies at Moody for TESOL in undergrad. And I think it laid a really good foundation for teaching. So the classes were related to education and intercultural studies and linguistics, but I felt like it was kind of a foundation level and I really wanted to go deeper. And so with the master's program that they started in TESOL, that was just great timing, a great fit for me. And I felt like that would make me better prepared for the steps I wanted to take in the future. Awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about how you, what was kind of the backstory about how you switched your major and why you did that to be a teacher instead of majoring in communications and journalism? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, when I started college at Moody, yeah, I was pretty sure communication field was the right one for me. But the, the summer after my freshman year, I had the opportunity to go to Morocco. And I helped my friend who was teaching English there at the time. And I could tell that she actually was kind of getting burnt out on teaching, but I really, really was enjoying it. And so, yeah, when I came back to Chicago and was in school, realized, wow, that was something that gave me a lot of energy. I honestly couldn't really stop talking about how much I enjoyed teaching English, enjoyed being with people. I had kind of realized that sometimes for communication and journalism, you spend some, you spend, you know, time alone editing your work or, you know, writing, you know, about people and about events. And I wanted to be with people as much as possible. And so being a teacher meant I could, you know, day in, day out, be with people teaching them, learning from them, building relationships. And that was just something I really, I didn't realize that I really enjoyed. Awesome. So you really found that you valued the face-to-face and Mm -hmm. the journalism and communications was a little bit more alone time. Yeah, I think that starts out as face-to-face, right? With interviewing people or um, connecting about different topics. But then, you know, you always take a step back and kind of develop an opinion and um, put words to or, you know, edit what your ideas are. And I liked that teaching was, you know, consistently with people. Awesome. Did you have any other experiences along the way uh, that kind of um, affirmed or, yeah, affirmed your decision to be a teacher? Yes, I think so. I mean, I, I guess I've had some experience along the way that have confirmed 
me being a teacher in the capacity that I am, because I actually teach English. Now, I was teaching English in Chicago for a while, but right now I actually live overseas and I teach in, in Europe. I teach in the country of Albania. And so actually the following summers, when I was in college, I was able to do some more overseas internships. And one was in Uganda working with kids. And I realized I loved working with children. And then the next one was in, in Albania, which is the same place I live now. And it was doing English summer camps for youth and children. And that was when I realized, wow, I, you know, I love teaching, but I also love teaching in this overseas capacity and really could even imagine doing this on a long-term basis. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that you had been to Albania before choosing to go back there. Was it with the same organization Mm -hmm. or group of people? Yeah. 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 So I went with a Christian nonprofit, the same one, and I went for two months and yeah, that was kind of what shaped my decision to move to Albania when I turned 25 and move there. Okay. That's putting a little bit more of the pieces together for me. Mm -hmm. So would you say that this, these are some definite like turning points. Um, Did you have any other turning points that in your life that affected you that kind of like pivoted you or turned you towards passion and this decision to be a teacher overseas? Yeah, I think so. I think there, this is a really good question, Andre. So I was thinking, you know, generally, obviously, those summers that I spent overseas were really influential. And then also, you know, studying at Moody, the people that I met there, the things that I learned in my classes, that was definitely very valuable. But I, I was, as I was thinking this through, I think the most significant turning point was when I was in Albania. On my internship, I met a family and they were talking about, you know, opening a community center and wanting, you know, another person to come and teach English with them. And they personally invited me to join them. And at that point, you know, I was already studying to be an English teacher, but kind of that personal invitation really opened up, really opened up the doors for me to consider, you know, moving overseas. And I think that might be what a lot of people our age you know, need is a personal invitation to jump into something, you know, that they're passionate about or that they're Mm -hmm. new. Maybe that gives them, at least it gave me the courage to move forward with something I already knew that I wanted. Yeah. I think when somebody's inviting you to do something, or if you're, you're asked to do something, I think it just gives more like, uh, gives you more, uh, Mm -hmm. of a confidence. Like they're asking me to be here or more of I guess a platform, maybe. I'm mm-hmm. not sure what the right word is. Yeah, like uh, validation. Like yes. you're good at what you do, mm-hmm. and then you're an asset to the team. Um, awesome. So during this time, did you have any hurdles or anything that you needed to um, work on in pursuing this dream and this job of living overseas and teaching? So yes, there were a lot of different hurdles. I think the the most, I guess, obvious one is since I work for a nonprofit, part of me moving overseas was raising support to come. So that mm-hmm. was significant and humbling, but also really, really good because you realize the people that are on your team who are invested in what you're doing. So that was, but that was definitely a hurdle. Another thing was just 
really deciding, okay, this is what I really want. And that meant sometimes turning down jobs. That meant turning down relationships in Chicago to move forward towards going to Albania. Also just being away from, I guess the hurdle now is, you know, being away from family and friends. Not, you know, last year I didn't get to celebrate Thanksgiving with my family or Christmas with them. And obviously starting over, you know, once I did move to Albania, there was there's been a lot of different hurdles, including learning a new language. I'm kind of feeling a bit unsettled for the past couple of years of my life. So I realized um, I've lived in four different apartments, which isn't that significant in the past two years, but I've had 10 different roommates. Wow. Not all at the same time, but over the course of two years, 10 different roommates. That's and a lot so, of change. A lot of change. Um, learning to be flexible, actually. And they've been great roommates, so I'm not yeah, not complaining at all, but just the adjustment, you know, that comes with living with different people, living in different places, moving your stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. You kind of realize too that your stuff doesn't matter that much. And it's a lot easier to have less stuff to move around. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I think, yeah, it's been a lot of a lot of hurdles, but also a lot of learning. And I have always been a bit of a perfectionist. And I've been um, I've been forced to kind of grow out of that in some ways, um, to still strive to do my best at things, um, but also be more flexible and give myself grace in learning and making mistakes because that's just, you know, a part of life and especially a part of this life of starting over in a new place. Yeah, I'm sure it's a huge kind of like learning and culture curve that you experienced moving there and learning new language and a new culture. Yeah. I mean, you think people, you know, from birth have been learning their own culture, right? And so when mm-hmm. you jump in as a 25-year-old and you're kind of like a like a child again in the culture, trying to figure out how things work and, and in the language too. So it's definitely humbling. Was there any kind of like surprising cultural custom that maybe caught you off guard or that was maybe more of a challenge or surprise to get used to? Yeah, yeah. One that I think it it was a surprise to me and I kind of, yeah, it was such a contrast to Chicago is, so my neighbors in Albania, in the city I was living in, they really like, I don't know, they really were involved in you know, their neighbors' lives. Like they knew what was, everyone kind of watched out for each other, kind of watches out for each other um, in Albania. And so I thought that was so different coming from living in Chicago for a few years where your neighbors don't even talk to you most of the time, right? Um, Yeah. And then all my neighbors wanted to talk to me (laughs) and they were all very concerned. I had left my bike um, locked up downstairs below our building at one point and they were all big, all continually told me in the elevator when I was going up to my apartment, oh no, you need to move your bike. Someone's going to steal it. You know, they were all concerned. I didn't even know who these people were, um, (laughs) but they knew who I was and they were invested in my life in that way. And that was just something, something new and something different. But yeah, in some ways, like the, maybe the city where I live in less than other cities in Albania, but people do, you know, really care and look out for each other. And it's more of a, less of an individualistic culture, more of a, um, people are more focused on community and looking out for one another. 
That's awesome. And such a sh- such a shift in the of just uh, living life and people <laughs> talking to you and being concerned for your thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely a, a new way of, of living life. So how did you get started or how did you get into your passion of teaching? Did that happen? I know you said you made that sh- um, uh, major change when you were in college, but did anything happen maybe before college that kind of sparked that? Hmm. Yeah, not mm, not as much, not as much related to teaching per se before college. Mm-hmm. But so something that I've always valued a lot is having a mentor in your life. And so when I was in high school and in college, I had mentors, and even after college when I was living in Chicago. And so the two women that mentored me in high school and college, both were people that were, and they weren't necessarily teachers. They both were people who pursued their work in other countries. And they both kind of showed me, okay, you know, it's possible to start over and to learn a new culture and to contribute in a place with different needs. So I wouldn't say, I think the teaching thing kind of came up Yeah, around that summer after freshman year of college. But I think Mm -hmm. the idea of, okay, you can move overseas and, you know, make a difference in a new place. And yeah, like have a curiosity about a new people and um, a love for a new people. That kind of came earlier, I think, from my high school mentor and then from my college mentor who kind of showed me that those things were possible. So would you say that you that sparked your interest in living overseas for a longer longer period of time and then you found that your what you were passionate about came later? Yeah. Yeah, I think that yeah, I think that was it. And I think, you know, they were kind of like braided together <laughs> in some ways, like tied together through time. But yes. Awesome. Like that. Mm-hmm. So why do you, why is teaching overseas so important to, to you? Yeah. So I think for me, after having spent a few summers overseas, you know, short term, I kind of saw that there is very much a trend for people in their 20s and 30s. And I'm, so I'm 26. So for people around my age to travel and to do, you know, short-term volunteer work overseas for a season. And after doing that, which I mean, I really had good experiences and learned a lot. And I think I did in some ways contribute. I realized though that like anything in life, you can make a more meaningful contribution when you are actually with people building relationships for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and also, you know, it's, it's different, like teaching, you can see a difference in your students, right? If you're teaching, not just for a month, but teaching for a year or two years, right? You can almost even see them come to learn a whole other language, right? And so that was kind of what drew me to coming longer term. I'm a bit more passionate about coming for a long time so that you can really learn a place, really contribute to a place, but also on the other end, not just be the one giving, but also the one taking in another culture, not just being the teacher, but also the learner. And sometimes I think I'm the learner more than the teacher, (laughs) actually. (laughs) So how long have you been in Albania now? Yeah, I've been um, in Albania for a year and a half or so, a little over a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And are you planning to 
stay for several more years or is it kind of like a year by year basis that you reevaluate? Yeah, I'm hoping that it's several more years. Yeah, I'm also open to, you know, other areas in the Balkans too. So um, like there's Albanians living in Albania, but also in other countries nearby. And so I'm also open to maybe teaching in that area. Um, but I'm, you know, I can say pretty confidently it'll be a couple more years <laughs> at least. So, yeah. Awesome. Do you have maybe a favorite memory or a memory that you could share that you, you've had in your last year and a half that kind of is one of your favorites from teaching, from living overseas, and all of that combined together? Yeah, definitely. So I think my favorite memory, it doesn't really necessarily come from teaching, but it kind of comes from seeing a lot of pieces come together and kind of having some of my you know, expat friends in Albania with um, some of my um, Albanian friends all in one place and celebrating New Year's Eve together this past year. And New Year's Eve, New Year's is actually the biggest holiday in Albania. So everyone celebrates New Year's. It's like, you know, I think in America, we'd say, you know, maybe Christmas or like, you know, those holidays are the big ones. But in Albania, it's New Year's. And so kind of having um, those friends all in one place. My roommate and I hosted a New Year's Eve party last year. And just to kind of see all those friends in one place making connections. And then the fireworks at midnight in my city were the best I've ever seen. Definitely, I mean, better than any like 4th of July in America that I've experienced. It was actually absolutely stunning. And then after we kind of watched all the fireworks together, we went inside and we all gathered around the piano and sang all Lang Syne, but not the original lyrics. We sang it with the lyrics, all glory be to Christ. And it was really a special way to welcome in the new year and to kind of experience, you know, something that is such a special holiday in Albania and all around the world with, you know, with friends. It really made me feel at that point, I guess I had been in Albania nine months at that point and it that was kind of one of the points that struck me of like oh I feel at home oh wow that's awesome Mm -hmm. and really refreshing too to just kind of affirm Mm -hmm. the decisions that you've made and where you are yeah and I think you have to cling to those moments right because there's some moments that you're like oh this was not a good day here you know (laughs) why am I here so it's good when you have those moments of those little light bulb I don't know moments of this is you know, this is why I'm here. Yeah, because not all days are our New Year's Eve. No, no, certainly not. <laughs> so we're just going to pivot a little bit. And mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, what are some common myths that you see surrounding teaching overseas? Because I know that some it seems very glamorous at times, but I, uh, I'm just guessing that it's not always that way. Yeah, yeah, I think it's probably glamorous like 10% of the time. <laughs> so 90% it's not. Yeah, I was, I think there's so many. So I guess just a few of them, right? I think you could probably come up with like 50 or 100. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but just a few. So one is, yeah, that it will be glamorous, that, w- that it will always be some exciting adventure. Because I don't know, because it's not like that. And I don't think that you can, you know, live your life. Yeah, really, I guess having a, I don't know, expecting an adventure 24-7. It's not realistic. 
especially if you're going to be settled somewhere and actually, you know, do a job. <laughs> so yeah, that doesn't really happen. Also that you think that you will find, you know, kind of a more of a perfect fit in the culture. I think you, I mean, I always, for a while, I really wanted when I was, you know, speaking Albanian, I really wanted people to not notice and think like, oh, she's Albanian, and I could just blend right in. But people still notice like, oh, but you're American, and they want to talk about it. And for a while, it was frustrated. I was like, oh, why can't I just blend in? But really, you don't ever, you know, become whatever, you know, culture you're joining. Like, I'm not going to become Albanian, but I can, you know, embrace the fact that I'm an American that loves living in Albania. Also, Another myth that you'll be able to stick with your original plan because, yeah, because things change and <laughs> maybe the place where you thought you were going to teach English, you know, didn't work out. Um, that's kind of been my scenario. But, you know, other opportunities come along. And then another one is that you've already said all your goodbyes at the beginning. <laughs> that was something I really believed <laughs> for about six months and then realized, wow, you know, I still am saying goodbyes to people like I, um, and I think that's part of life living overseas too, is if you do, you know, start to make, if you work at a school, for example, and you have friends that are teaching there too, and are also expats, the turnover rate is actually pretty high, you know, mm -hmm. every year or two or three years. And so it, it is kind of hard to have to keep saying goodbye and hello, but I think it's definitely something worth doing. Um, worth kind of putting your heart out there to continue meeting people, even if you know it's going to be a goodbye, or even if it might be. And the, the most notable one I'm thinking of is the myth that once you learn a language fluently, you will stop making embarrassing mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I don't know, because I supposedly am pretty close to proficient or fluent in Albanian now, and I still you know, say, a, you know, one letter of a word differently, and it ends up being something embarrassing. But I think the the best thing about it is you end up with really good stories. And you also yeah. learn to laugh at yourself. And honestly, that helps you deepen your friendships, too. Because it I think people think it's easier, you know, to make friends with people that don't intimidate them with people that are willing to take a chance with the language, the people that make mistakes, but can laugh at themselves. And I think, yeah, that's something that can actually be valuable in building friendships that it's humbling to realize. Yeah. And I guess the last one is one that, yeah, that I thought of is the myth that you will end up working in one place forever because I keep meeting more people, you know, who think that they're going to invest in one place forever. And then, you know, they get, they've ended up living in a few different parts of the world that are completely different. And that is really interesting to me. But it seems to be kind of a, a pattern. Yeah, I would definitely th think that that would be my mindset as well, that this is, this is where I'm going to be and there's going to be no moving from here. But mm -hmm. it definitely sounds like from your story that that's definitely not the case with moving to several different apartments and mm -hmm. having tons of roommates. <laughs> That it's not all you can't you you'll you're not change is constant. Mm hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that is the constant, right? <laughs> change. Yeah. Today's sponsor ad is brought to you by the No Wrong Turns Pod. 
Do you have a story or passion that you would like to share? Since you are already listening to this pod, you know that this podcast is all about people telling their story and sharing about their passions and seeing how their passions have been able to develop and evolve throughout their story. Or, as I say this right now, do you have a friend or family member that has a story and passion that come to mind right away and you think that this person's got to share their story? If you or someone you know might be interested in sharing their story in this kind of long-form interview format, let me know. We are always looking for new stories to share on the pod. Please send me a DM on Instagram or Facebook at NoWrongTurnsPod or send me an email at NoWrongTurnsPod at gmail.com. All right, back to Melissa's story. wanted to ask you a little bit about um, ling- language learning because mm-hmm. you said that you're pretty proficient. Mm-hmm. So how did you go to a language school or how did you start learning Albanian? Did you pra- start practicing before you moved? Uh, no, so I didn't. I had learned a tiny bit when I was interning. I mean, like very tiny bit, like <laughs> basically just the words for, you know, good morning and the numbers. And I guess I had learned the alphabet at that point. But yeah, I ended up studying, well, actually my first three weeks when I moved to Albania, I lived with an Albanian family. And so that was a great way to kind of be immersed into the culture and start learning a lot of vocabulary. And then right after that, um, I went and started meeting with a private language tutor two to three times a week, one of the best, I think, in Albania. Um, And she has her own curriculum. And I worked through her curriculum for a bit over a year. And then as a part of that, my organization has different um, assessments that they give you at different points. And so I think I took two or three assessments. They, you know, would ask me questions um, and I'd have to, you know, they'd record my answers. I'd have to speak for three minutes, three minutes about a topic in Albanian. And then they would send out, you know, my 10 recordings to you know, um, different, you know, chosen, I guess, linguistic specialists that are Albanian, and then they would analyze them and then give me back my results. So that was how I found out. Yeah, it was quite a process. (laughs) That was how I found out my proficiency level in Albanian. And that actually happened a lot faster than I was expecting. So it was really encouraging that I ended up kind of finishing, like I'm still studying Albanian and I'll still always be learning, but I was, you know, studying um, more in depth for my first year. And because I scored so well on my assessment then I was able to kind of focus more of my, well, I guess less of my energy on studying. Wow, that's very impressive. <laughs> so, And kind of a little daunting to have to <laughs> prepare for tests and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I realized too, like, just kind of comparing it with my thesis work, like the hours that I put into doing my thesis for my master's, Mm -hmm. like within my, I think it was within three or six months of being in Albania, I had spent more hours, you know, studying language than I had spent working on my thesis, you know, and then I could only talk like a three or four year old at that point. I was like, (laughs) this is so frustrating. You know, I've put so much work into this. Yeah, it really gave me a lot of um, compassion for the language learners that I'm teaching, you know, that are trying to learn English. But it also made me see like, wow, this is not impossible too. Mm -hmm. This is 
definitely possible. That's kind of, I wasn't even thinking about it from that perspective, but you kind of got to take a seat in your students' chairs, I guess, because Mm -hmm. you were able to be in kind of the same boat as them of learning a language for the positives and the negatives. For sure. Yeah. And it's given me, I think, more confidence as a teacher to be like, I know this works because, and I know people have different learning styles, right? But in general, Mm -hmm. kind of seeing like, okay, I know that, you know, they're going to have to memorize this, or they're going to have to learn this, or, you know, looking at this, this picture and describing it, like that is something that is going to help my students, because that was a way that I personally learned a language. So since you're around other teachers or people who are living abroad, you mentioned other expats, did you maybe encounter anybody who either decided that this wasn't for them and they left teaching abroad or maybe changed changed jobs because it was too stressful or something? And why do you think that they, why do you think that people would give up the teaching abroad? Hmm. Yes, I have. I have seen that happen. Yeah. One of my closest friends left after teaching a year. So that was kind of, that was kind of hard. I think, and I've seen other people leave too. I think people do leave for a lot of different reasons. I think some of it is, I mean, usually stress, right? A living Mm -hmm. in a new culture is an aspect of it. And I think, yeah, there's some like unpredictability, right? Of living in a new culture. Yeah, there's just stressors that you just don't even know how to anticipate. And so sometimes you don't know until you're, you know, living overseas that, you know, what you can handle and what you can't. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, too. I think, I don't know, I think some people go through it in different seasons, too, and are able to handle it and move forward. I think, yeah, so I think that's an aspect of failing. I think, Part of it too, yeah, starting over, if you have a solid community, um, friends, family in the States, I don't think you realize how much you rely on them until you don't have them. (laughs) I -hmm. mean, you know that you love them and you know that, yeah, you enjoy spending time with them. But when suddenly you have like this big hole of time in your life, you're like, what did I do with all this time? It was because you're with family and friends. And when you have to kind of recreate that and start over, it's really humbling. And so I think that those are kind of vague, but I think those are some of the reasons why people fail. And I think some people don't even move forward in the passion, um, like to, you know, maybe want to teach overseas because they can't decide where they want to go, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I was saying about, like, the personal invitation. That meant so much to me because I think indecision is is something that's really hard. And I think a lot of people could really use a, a personal invitation to move forward. Also, I think a lot of people our age, maybe it could be, like, a fear of being alone or lonely. And mm-hmm. I think that's definitely, a, like, a valid reason that people you know, don't want to move forward. Like I said, you're kind of, your safety net of people isn't there for you anymore. It's not like they aren't, they're not physically there for you. They are there for you, like emotionally, and we have Skype and we have, you know, FaceTime, but they're physically not right near you. And so that is a, yeah, that is a valid fear of being alone, but also like feeling lonely too, that, you know, is kind of a season. And then once you 
kind of push through, at least in my experience, push through six, nine months, you start to, you know, create a new community of people. And that really makes that adjustment a lot easier. Yeah. So it sounds like there is often a big challenge of being uh, maybe overwhelmed and having a lot to handle in the, the shift of coming to a new country, a new culture, a new language. And a lot of people might be overwhelmed by that. Did you experience that? And if you did, how did how did you work through that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I have. And I think moving over here made me so aware of my limits and my weaknesses <laughs> more than um, more than ever before, honestly. I think my the the um, the thought that has come to my mind so much since moving to Albania that I never I don't think I thought that often in Chicago when I lived there was the idea. I wish I was older and more experienced. Like I wish I was more capable of handling, you know, everything that's thrown at me in this new culture. I wish I had more experience to bring to the table. And I have to, yeah, that has been kind of overwhelming. And I think in that I've been learning how dependent I am on God and how dependent I'm, I am on him every moment. And I always have been dependent on him. But I think in Chicago, I just didn't notice it as much, right? And being in a new culture and a new language, I really noticed, yeah, how much I need him. Yeah, it's definitely a new angle or new lens of dependency with Mm -hmm. just the shift of everything. That's what it sounds like. Yes. So you had mentioned that you had to do, um, that you you know, left your friends and your family to come to Albania. So do you, um, you mentioned FaceTime and talking on the phone and that kind of thing. Do your friends and your family understand and support your passion of teaching overseas? Or is it hard for some of them to be as supportive? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really grateful. I have an amazingly supportive family and group of friends. And I think, I mean... Honestly, I know my parents would, you know, they wish I was closer to lived closer to home and, you know, could be Mm -hmm. there for the holidays. But I think aside from that, like they're really excited for what I'm doing. And my so my sister and my parents have come and visited me in Albania. Oh, that's awesome. Last summer. So they came and they wanted to see like my new world, (laughs) which was really cool. And then also my two best friends from college and then another close friend from my organization have come and visited um, I've had other friends say, oh, we want to come visit in the future. So I've definitely felt really loved by so many people and also not not forgotten, which I think was another fear, right, of mm-hmm. moving away is like, well, the people that I care about the most are going to kind of move on with their lives and forget about me. And I'm really grateful that I haven't, that hasn't been the case. That's awesome. So what would you... What would you say for people who maybe are hearing about teaching overseas and they're kind of interested? Um, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's wanting to learn more or possibly consider this as a job for them? Yeah, I guess I'm not going to give as much advice for looking for a job. I know there's a lot of different organizations that you can teach with, and I think you know, each person has different preferences about what they're looking for, right? But I think just something good to be aware of is just kind of knowing yourself and what things you would need in a new country to be healthy. Like for me, it's 
then, okay, I need to have consistent exercise. I need to have roommates in order to, you know, do well. I don't want to live alone. Things like that. So just be aware and don't feel, you know, bad. Don't feel guilty about knowing that you need those things to be healthy. And also, I would say come prepared to learn a lot about your own limitations and weaknesses, but then also grow in the process because that is the amazing thing that when we're, you know, kind of running into the wall of our limitations, that is where growth starts to happen. Wow, that's a good thing to consider and think about. Is there anything that you, when you started off in this process uh, and in your time a year and a half ago, or maybe even when you were just starting to consider this as a possibility for you that you wish you had known before you had started out? Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I really, uh, yeah, I wish I would have known just to give myself more grace. I wish I would have mm-hmm. known that it just takes a lot of time to start over mm-hmm. and yeah, that everything in general in a new culture and in a new place, it just takes more time. Yeah. So patience, grace, time. Patience, grace. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any resources that you can recommend or that you found to be really helpful to you on your journey in this time? Yeah, definitely. I've, yeah, so I've been grateful for um, different podcasts and books and resources that I've been able to, yeah. I don't know, read and learn from in this past year and feel more connected to what's going on. And yeah, so the ones that the podcast that I would really rave about is um, The Next Right Thing with Emily P. Freeman. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of that? Audrey? Yeah, I've, I've heard of her, but I haven't listened to her podcast. So now it's on my mm-hmm. list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she's also written some books, but her podcast is yeah, um, her newest project. And basically, the podcast is about making decisions and kind of making decisions from a thoughtful Christian perspective. And I really enjoyed, they're usually pretty short, like 10, 15 minute podcasts. Oh, wow. um, and so, but just she has, you know, a little, a little theme, a little thought that she kind of expands on during that short you know, period of time. And so that has been really helpful as I've been trying, you know, to make decisions, you know, this past year and a half and just give myself grace in decision making. I've really enjoyed her podcast. Also have been um, really enjoyed reading um, great books. I've always loved fiction, but then also some um, some good nonfiction books I've read in the past um, year have been The Gospel Comes with a House Key by Rosaria Butterfield. And my sister and brother-in-law recommended the book Blue Like Jazz by Donald Miller, which is actually an older book, but I had never read it. Um, yeah, I read that one in high school. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. Yeah, I really was grateful from to learn kind of more from his perspective. And yeah, right now I'm working through Bonhoeffer's biography by Eric Metaxas, and that has been a project for a while, so it's kind of long, but... I'm about a third the way through and I'm really kind of, I don't know, getting some inspiration and courage from Bonhoeffer's story. So is there a lot of English bookstores or are you reading these like on your iPad or your Kindle or something? There are not a lot of English bookstores, no. <laughs> there are a couple in um, the capital city, yeah. But no, I'm mostly reading them on my Kindle. Gotcha. Yeah. 
I was wondering, you're listing all of these books. And I was like, that seems like a heavy load to bring over or hard to find. (laughs) Yeah, I love real books. And if I could read them all, like, you know, with the paper pages, I would, but it's just not very realistic. And Kindle is just so, yeah, Kindle's amazing. I'm grateful for Kindle. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing about your passion of teaching overseas. And before we close and say bye, um, I just have a final question that I'm asking all of the podcast uh, guests, and that is, what is fueling you today? What's fueling your passion? And this could be anything from a new coffee drink to a new favorite part of town to a new candy bar you found in the grocery store. So what's fueling you today? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that I realized after I moved overseas <laughs> that I needed was was actually Sabbath, so a day of rest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always been someone who has worked really hard and had trouble kind of slowing down. But I kind of realized quickly that, yeah, that that wasn't going to work in Albania, that I was going to have to have a day of rest. And so I really do believe, too, that God has given us one day of the week where we are invited to rest and be refreshed and that kind of allows us to recharge physically and refocus spiritually and so actually Emily P. Freeman has a quote about the Sabbath that I really like and she says Sabbath is not a punishment or a dare it's a gift it's taking a day to open your hands towards heaven and acknowledge that you don't make the world go round and so um that um that quote and just the idea of Sabbath really hit me hard since, yeah, moving overseas. And so that's been something I've been really refreshed by is having, you know, one set day a week and usually ends up being a Monday or a Tuesday um, when I can, you know, get extra sleep, have unrushed prayer time, you know, grab, grab coffee with, with a friend, you know, um, catch up with family play the piano, you know, just a day to, to recharge. And I think that day of recharging that, you know, kind of allows me to have the energy during the week to, to um, teach with joy and yeah, to continue doing what I'm doing. Wow. I think that's really important. And something that is really easy for us to forget is that we need just a day of rest and Mm -hmm. time to recharge. I forgot who said this to me, but I, somebody said, I I just had so much work to do. And somebody said to me, well, you should just stop now because it's time to go home. And there's going to be work more work tomorrow, no matter how much you try to get done. Mm -hmm. Um, Like tonight, it's not going to change the fact that tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're still going to have work. And maybe you, you'll get a little bit more done, but you're still going to have more work to do. It's never going to, you know, stop having things for you to do. And that was a really, um, when you read that quote, that was the first thing that popped into my head is that Mm -hmm. there's always going to be work for you. So, uh, like taking, taking a rest is not going to change that fact. Exactly. Yeah. Or yeah. Versus continuing to work and work and work and you're just continuing down this it can become at a certain point a slippery slope, right? Where, mm-hmm. where it's kind of hard to stop and get the rest that your body physically needs, right? Yeah, definitely lo- loving the Sabbath. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Melissa, for sharing about 
your passion for teaching and for teaching abroad. Thank you so much for waking up early because mm-hmm. it's seven or yeah. almost eight o'clock for you now, 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. for me. So yeah, the time the change is rising kind of... <laughs> here in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I sent it over to you. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you so much for having me, Audrey. It um, has been just a real joy and also just kind of thinking through these questions for me. Um, yeah, is allowing me to kind of gain perspective on my journey. And I really appreciate that opportunity. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Friends, I have loved our conversation with Melissa. It was so awesome to see how Melissa's passion was altered and transformed as she realized the specific areas that she really originally valued in communication and journalism. Those areas of being able to build relationships with people and get to know them were magnified in her new pursuit of teaching. And from that, she was able to use her life experiences and accept a personal invitation to join her teaching team in Albania. I hope that we were all encouraged today about how Melissa was able to identify what the specifics were and her favorite features of her earliest passion and then be able to change her story and change her passion. My prayer for you is that you would consider what God has for you and what he might be leading you to. See the show notes for our music credits.